Hi, my name is Austin. I'm the main host and GM of the Beer and Pretzel podcast. We're a one-shot role-playing game podcast where we play different one-shot role-playing games that aren't the world's biggest RPG. We play them, we do reviews of the games that we play, and we also chat with game creators about their games. Today, I'm here with two of the creators of Cyborg, which is a new nano-infested doomsday RPG about cybernetic misfits and punks raging against a relentless corporate hell. I'm here with Johan Noor and Christian Salin, uh, the authors of Cyborg. First of all, congratulations on the big first week for Cyborg, as it went very much above and beyond its target goal, as me and many people in the RPG community are super excited for this to come out with how great Morkborg is. In creating this game, though, obviously the genre is very different. The book will be also longer, I've heard. But what mechanically has changed since uh, Morkborg? How much new content in terms of not really the setting or theme, because of course this could be different, but structure and mechanics-wise, will there be? As I heard, Johan, you've said in another interview that this is definitely not just Morkborg in neon colors. I guess we'll start with Christian. Yeah, rules-wise, it it might be just Morgborg in 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 neon colors actually, because we're we're not changing much except we're of course adding adding rules for automatic fire because Morgborg didn't need those of course, um, and things like that. But but rules-wise, otherwise we we add one ability, um, uh, knowledge. As like a, one of the basic abilities, just to to get like tech use and and stuff like that in there. Otherwise, it's I mean the core is the same. This makes it uh, also backwards compatible and compatible to not only you know Mercury, the core book and the official stuff, but also all of the hundreds of third party releases that exist. Close to a thousand, yeah. Close to a thousand, yeah. Mechanically, it's mostly like details that uh, add that cyberpunk yeah. theme. So they'll be, of course, in Morkborg, it's more about writing for that kind of genre. And this, you're taking the same rule set, sort of, but you're just applying it to the genre. So I'm sure there'll be, like, cybernetics uh, rules and stuff like that. Sounds yeah, like. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so, yeah. so we're adding, uh, there's cybernetics, there's, uh, of course, all sorts of gadgets. Um, and there's, uh, I mean, hacking and... Uh, the nano powers, but those kind of work like uh, not exactly like spells or, or powers from Mercury, but but in a similar way, I guess, um, like an alternative option uh, for for powers, extra like tools and and skills and powers that you can have. That's just uh, cyberpunk themed. Yeah, and... kind of like how we don't have magic weapons and magic items and uh, potions and scrolls, but we have other things that are similar but not the same. Yeah, technology-based yeah. items instead of magic. Right, yeah. yeah. And is it true yeah. that I heard that uh, Morkborg was a pretty thin game, awesome game, but on the thinner side, which a lot of people liked? Um, I heard, though, that this is going to be, I'm not sure how much bigger, but this is a bigger game, though, right? It's it's about twice the pages, I guess. Um, yeah. But that's, that's not because we have added twice as much rules or anything like that, but we added a lot of uh, tables randomized um, for, for randomizing all sorts of things. Um, we, uh, Joan went crazy with all the art. Uh, so, so there's a lot more just uh, full page art stuff uh, in there. And I think the adventure uh, turned out to be a bit longer 
Yeah. Um, yeah. But mostly then, it's just the, yeah, the tables, as you mentioned. Okay. Yeah, t table, tables and arts. And of course, those are free to, to ignore or, or just read through once and be inspired by. It's not like you have to use more pages. If you, if you look at the, the, the core rules and what you're using at, probably using at the table, it's the same, really. Makes yeah. sense. And I think it's more like focused on having uh, like more game out of the same book or like having longer, not necessarily longer campaigns, but just to get more mileage out of the book. Because Mugboy was, as he's mentioned, quite thin and you didn't need much more than it. And I don't think you need more here, but it's just more inspiration and more uh, yeah. Yeah, stuff for you to build your own game out of. Basically. So kind of like how with Morkborg a bunch of third-party content came out afterwards that added a bunch... Like, Morkborg has a lot of really, really cool tables in it, but afterwards, a bunch of really cool tables came out by um, other RPG creators uh, and hackers. So this, it sounds like, right from the get-go, there's going to be a lot of tables to play around with. So maybe for at least a little bit, people would be more focusing on creating their own content with, like, maybe monsters, or maybe not monster stats, yeah. but stats for <clears throat> creatures and weapons rather than different tables, as this has a lot of that already in it. It's kind of similar, actually. Uh, I just thought about it now. It's 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 kind of as if we released Murkbori and Murkbori uh, uh, Cult Territory at the same time in one book, because it's like all of these extra content that you don't necessarily oh, need, yeah. which is nice to have. Gabriel on Facebook, he asked me to ask you guys is, his question was, how would you name Cyborg's genre? Is it cyberpunk or something else entirely? Also, is there a stance against corporatism in it? It's a very political game, uh, and I think that if you, for example, glance at our uh, Spotify or, or or music inspirational playlist that we released, the the there is a reason why the first track is called um, "Shock Treatment Against Corporate Control." Uh, it, it's very clearly, um, yeah, it's very yeah. clearly against that sort of thing. Um, and I guess we can call it cyberpunk. Uh, I mean, it's it's that's most of it. Uh, we're trying to to do cyberpunk um, with a focus on the punk part, I guess. Uh, and I mean, not less focus on the cyber parts. Um, but there's also this kind of weird, uh, weird stuff going on as well, I guess. Sure. Yeah, there's like there's a lot of uh, like esoteric things underneath the cyber sort of the f uh, surface, and a lot of body horror in it. But that sort of goes with the cyberpunk genre, I guess. I'll definitely call it cyberpunk. Johan, your art is what makes Morkborg and now Cyborg is one of those games that, at least for me, is kind of like it would be a disservice to have just a PDF on. It's a unique stylization is kind of the huge part of what makes Morkborg. Morkborg and now Cyborg as just look at the Kickstarter your art looks incredible and in I love the color use in it I feel Thank like you. all artists have a point where their style comes into fruition a creative artist be it like when filmmakers find their unique style or writers find their writing voice or in this case the stylization behind your own art when and where do you think that this was kind of like born within you when you kind of found your artistic voice what a question I think <laughs> <laughs> I think it actually might have been with uh, Murkboy that I found this sort of style or that I felt confident enough to sort of pursue it and and not 
try to you know fiddle with all the details and finalize it too much because this sort of raw sketchy style seemed to work it's mm -hmm. like the the cover say the, the cover image of uh, the first milk boy book was not even supposed to be the cover image it was just one of the sketches that we used for uh, marketing material and then people liked it so much and they said oh what a nice cover and then we put it on the cover and that sort of became the standard for the whole the whole uh, artistic style that i used and i think i've had sort of a creative boom with this thing uh, which is very uh, fulfilling and fun and for me personally so would you say that um, your artistic style was not sort of like this before Morkborg? like you kind of like no, created this for the game it it was in a way, but it wasn't as defined, I think. I think the sort of sketchy rawness was always there, but I hadn't really found it uh, before releasing Murkbori. Uh, I guess I was still, uh, I don't know, this sounds pretentious, but I was still like trying to find my, you know, creative voice in a way. Mm, I get that. Uh, but yeah, but uh, speaking of that, I mean, uh, with this, with Cy Cyborg, I try not to follow the exact same style and I try not to do the same thing. And so it was actually a bit of a struggle for me to find the style for Cyborg because I wanted it to be different, but also like related to Murkboy. But I think what we have is something new and unique, at least for me. And this is kind of a side question to uh, Cyborg, talk about Morkborg. I was just looking at the books I have for Morkborg today, and I just love the bright like canary yellow or what I kind of see as like the Italian uh, Gallo films, uh, the, the older like 70s and 80s murder mysteries that have that kind of like bright yellow uh, backdrop. What was it? Was it you? Was it someone else that came up with, hey, maybe we should make the theme of Morkborg like yellow? And why did you guys pick that? I love it. But I'm wondering how you guys came up with that. It's kind of an odd uh, color, actually, for like a Doom and Black Metal-themed <laughs> game. But uh, I think it was one of the... Because we wanted it to be like a punk scene, almost, and have that sort of aesthetic. So it was like a mix of this metal and punk vibe. I just wanted to experiment and try to make a book that was very loud. And so I used the most obnoxious colors that I could find, <laughs> and the most screaming colors. Uh, so... And it just kind of worked. I don't know. <laughs> oh, it definitely. And does. you didn't, you didn't have an RPG, RPG book in in Jello, right? That's a very yeah. That's actually true. I looked at my shelf, and they were all like you know dark and black or red or brown or something like that. All the spines of the books, and so I wanted a book that you couldn't hide in your bookshelf. Huh. Uh, and it seems to work because every time I see like a shelfie of people, if they have a Merkboy book, you will see it because that shit just, yeah. just screams. <laughs> it pops. It really it does. Pops and, it, and it literally glows in the dark as well. So you exactly. can't hide it. Christian, how did you get mm -hmm. into writing RPGs? Well, also, of course, this, because I found that you actually are on the Morkborg website of having wrote a couple things for Morkborg, but I was wondering how you got into, uh, maybe not just RPGs in general, but how you got into writing for role-playing games and this game in particular. Yeah, I I started playing uh, way back when I was 10 or 11 or something like that uh, and got into running games pretty early. Um, and me and the the my friends who were who were playing at that time we never really got into buying adventures or anything like that or, or modules so we just made up our own um and 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 created our own and that's how i've been gaming 
since then. Uh, but I didn't really write anything other than than things for my actual gaming group, uh, which was usually a, a close uh, knit group of friends, I guess. But then I think it started sometime around Dungeons and Dragons third edition. Uh, me and a couple of friends uh, started running like pickup games uh, at conventions. Um, and I kept doing that, I guess, and started to bring my own material. Uh, and people that were not my friends seemed to like it. Um, so lately I've been trying to put uh, more of my uh, adventures out there, I guess, for others to, to enjoy as well. Part of... Part of uh, just free PDFs or, or, or competitions, uh, mainly in Swedish, uh, but lately then in uh, since, I guess, last year in English as well. Uh, and some of them for sale. Yeah, the yeah, all yeah the exactly. So, so, yeah, I have a, about six six uh, pamphlets and a 24-page and sign uh, for sale, hopefully soon also available in the US um, uh, locally, uh, but more on that in the future, I think. Uh, but uh, gaming-wise, uh, Cyborg is the first first full game, I guess. Uh, it's not the first I write; uh, it's the third, I guess. But it's the first that it's uh, that is released. I heard that you came up with this because you were looking for a cyberpunk role-playing game, but there was not really anything yeah. that kind of piqued your interest, really. So you kind of took Morkborg, broke it down into your own game. And then you kind of presented to, I believe, Johan, actually, and was like, hey, maybe we could do something like this. I mean, uh, me, me and Johan, uh, we, we're, we're part of the Stockholm Cartel since since a long time, and, and we've known each other for a longer time. Um, so so that wasn't, I guess, so, so strange. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I really wanted to, back in 2019, I really wanted to run a cyberpunk punk game uh, in 2020 because of Cyberpunk 2020. Um, but when I looked at the available rule systems or, or the ones I had around, I couldn't really find anything that suited like the rules light. Um, well, my preference for rules light systems. Um, and, and Cyberpunk seems to be... The style of most Cyberpunk games are, are kind of crunchy. Um, and, and I wanted to get away from that. So since I couldn't find anything and I just gotten the, the playtest uh, version of Murkbori, I started adapting that. And from the start, it was mostly like adapting it to, to run it myself. But the more I, I just started working on it, the more I realized that this might be fun for others as well. Uh, so I reached out to Johan and Pelle. And uh, here we are, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and, and just a correction, you didn't ask, like, hey, sh should we do this? You said, we are going to do this. <laughs> <Basically>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Here we are. And then, yeah, that was, that was awesome. We announced, yeah. we, we, we made the first teaser announcement uh, 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 November 13th last year, so about a year ago. And by, so I think since then, probably, I, I got involved. That was first when I got involved in this. And so, yeah, pretty then much. We had most of the text ready, and then we just, you know, edited it and fiddled with it some more. Yeah, the the, the playtest campaign was was full was on the way. way. Right, it was on the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were in the middle of it or something. 
Sean Danger on Facebook asked us an interesting question for you guys was that he said, do you think techno fetishism is a necessary hallmark of the cyberpunk genre? Why or why not? I would say that uh, you should be careful not to let it be too important because, I mean, personally, I think it's cyberpunk shouldn't necessarily be about the cool tech and what it can do, but it should be about what it does to people and what it does to like society and what the backs or the like the downsides and the you know what really is the 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 worst consequences of these this tech and who owns it and what they use it for so i think a lot of i think a lot of cyberpunk games they end up being this long list of just cool gadgets and tech without mm. you know thinking too much about it and, and and most of them also have like five versions of the same thing but they're like made by different megacorps or something and therefore they provide a plus one percent extra bonus here or or uh, something like that and of course that's not really the style of of Merkboy, and therefore it's not also the style of on cyborg because with a light rule system you can't really add that kind of granularity to it so we don't go into to listing i don't know 15 different automatic rifles or anything like that Christian when DMs run your game next year what would be the mm -hmm. ideal setup to put the players into the world of Cyborg uh, any recommendations on music sound effects or what they should read watch or play to kind of get their head in the mindset to run Cyborg and as like a side question to that if a DM had like an unlimited budget to create the best cyborg setup ever, what would that look like? And what should, like I said, what should DMs check out to prepare themselves besides reading your book to run cyborg? Music wise, we have a pretty solid playlist. Um, I'm, I'm a lot of into noise and industrial and that sort of thing, or just experimental, weird, uh, electronic or, or, or acoustic noise and drone and stuff like that um and but there's more to it than that as well there's synthwave and all sorts of things and i think that the, the world of cyborg is really varied there's i mean if you, you you can you can just travel one door away and you you go from from some kind of uh, alley where people are fighting into a, a nightclub uh, with whatever is going on on a nightclub and then the next door over is some fancy restaurant with maybe a string quartet or something um, so I mean all of that can be in Cyborg um, and I think that that mix and, and juxtaposition and and variations are, are important to to get the feel right but uh, you should probably start out with some heavy industrial or something like that and and be angry um at the state of the world that we are currently in because that's a lot of what cyborg is about about uh, because your pcs have it even worse in in the cyborg future I agree. I think I think you should uh, you should put on our our playlist um, some heavy industrial or noise or some D beat punk and you should watch like Dread or Akira and you should just uh, yeah be uh, doom scroll for ten minutes and then play yeah pretty much yeah exactly that that sort of thing 
just listen to the news and then add some, I guess, occult uh, themes to it um, and uh, go wild. Uh, and Dread and is fun. Yeah, dread dread is a good uh, option, except the the protagonist is a cop. So, oh yeah, that part. But the the, <laughs> <laughs> and the like world building of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, think think dread, but the, like dread is the end boss of the adventure. <laughs> In Morkborg, something I found that was really unique is where the book instructs you on the seventh misery to not only kill off the world, but to burn the book too, which is something I'd never seen in an RPG before, of course. <laughs> was there something you guys did sort of like that, or is that something we have to wait and see to find out? There's, I mean, there's a um, version of the miseries um, in, in Cyborg that is called the Miserable Headlines instead, so it's presented as headlines that you wake up and you read in your um, RCD or, or you get uh, hooked into a feed of. And the RCD is the retinal communications device that's kind of do everything your your current um, smartphone does, but but cooler and better, I guess. And, and, and beamed straight into your eyeballs. Yeah, exactly. Plug into your brain. There is something happening uh, when you roll up the seventh one. Uh, and and I don't we're we're not really talking about what yet, but there's something. Uh, but I don't think we recommend anyone to burn the book because that would be stupid. Uh, because you might need it later. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. And yeah, it looks like a beautiful book, so it would be a shame to burn it. Uh, something also that I really like about Morkborg is that it allowed people to, with the third-party license to hack their own modules, monsters, items, weapons, that sort of thing, which has led to some really, really cool, incredible creations. Oh, yeah. I assume, but maybe not, is that the plan to carry over to Cyborg? And if so, what are you guys hoping to see out of the third-party community for this game? We haven't really talked about like a specific license for Cyborg, but... Uh, I think right now this, the Mercbury license kind of covers it in a way. I mean, you can still mm -hmm. produce stuff and call it compatible with Mercbury, uh, like in parentheses, Cyborg. Uh, but we're going to figure something out, I think, just to make it more... Uh, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there, there will be something. Uh, and it's going to be very, if not an exact copy, it's going to be very, very similar to the, to the Mercbury thing, uh, for sure. And what we want to see... I. I limited myself on the amount of cybertech I put into the game, for example, uh, just because I didn't want to cover everything uh, because I wanted to leave. I wanted to cover the, the biggest and most important stuff uh, or all the things I felt that was more, most important and then leave space for others to, to come up with, with cool stuff for it. So that's one thing for sure. More cyber. Yeah, but I, no, but I think... Uh, uh... There are a lot of spreads that, that that's basically this spread is this random table for this thing. So like Cybertech is one spread and then you know you have weapons and drugs and nano and whatever. So I think you could basically pick any of those spreads and just expand it and make your own thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Or pick whatever from your favorite uh, you know sci-fi or cyberpunk media, you know, movie or whatever and add that and sort of stat that for Cyborg. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that we'll see our community continue to create 
cool stuff. Yeah, that's something I really am happy with. The Morkboard community is that it's so big. It has so many people creating really awesome stuff. And I noticed that you've also have done some artwork for some of their work as well, which is really cool that everyone's kind of working together to add more really creative content to Morkborg. Uh, I love it. Yeah, no, it's great that you can have so much people kind of join you in on this adventure, sort of. Mm. Um, once this game is out there next year, I think uh, June is what the Kickstarter said. I'm sure you guys yeah. might be taking a little bit of a well-deserved break, but once you guys get back to creating in the world of Morkborg and Cyborg or just RPGs in general, what do you guys hope to be working on? Like, what are you hoping to envision yourself be doing in like a year or so? I mean, I I know for a fact what I'm I'll be doing because I have a lot of projects uh, just waiting in the pipeline here. So I mean, there's not going to be much rest. I think uh, it's gonna more 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 stuff is coming definitely. I hope to 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 get more cyborg stuff, uh, yeah, done. But I also have several other different projects that are in in different stages of completion. I guess. I don't. I don't really have a schedule. I need to. I need to do what I have the inspiration for and and can like get done at the moment right now because I mean we both have day jobs so so this is just something that we do on the side. We're generally kind of careful in Stockholm Cartel to announce things before they're almost ready because yeah. we don't want to have like the pressure of having to fulfill something that isn't already. A- finished or to have to work on something because it is a hobby to us. I know for a fact that a lot of uh, projects are underway and happening. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. so we more. should see more from this world, uh, hopefully pretty Absolutely. soon. And talking about the Kickstarter for my last question, so what's going through your heads right now? Because like had such a big first day, so I'm sure you guys are beyond <laughs> stoked. And is it true that right now the plan is going to come out like fairly early to middle of next year? Yeah, that's the goal. Uh, I mean, these last couple of days, has it even been days? I don't know. I'm just lost in <laughs> time and space now, but they have been wild. So this far exceeded yeah. our expectations for this. We beat what we thought was the, the like the uh, a realistic end point way back now, uh, mm. it seems. Um, so, so we never expected this to, to, to reach where we are now and we're still like 16 days to go wow. um when when this is being recorded i guess mm. um so yeah we can kind of shocked i guess yeah but um and, and yeah and grateful the, yeah very grateful yeah and i mean the goal is to to release it in the summer and that is mostly because of uh, pandemic related like shipping delays and stuff just to cover that because we are we're not done completely with all the things but we could i mean we could probably have have fulfilled it sooner had it not been for the state of the international shipping uh, Mm -hmm. right now so we don't like i don't want to repeat the sort of delays that happened to um heretic because of uh, the pandemic. So, so. could, uh, theoretically, the PDF be sent out to people earlier before the game arrives later because of, you know, transportation right now uh, is horrible? Uh, I think it's too early to say that. I mean, generally, we want to 
see people have the physical book in their hands before we sent the PDF out because the, the physical is so important to us. Mm. But um, yeah, and also, I don't know, we added some of the uh, stretch goals. So I think we'll have work to do even after the book is complete, like with the generators and the, the location, the asset pack and everything. So I think... Um, I think we're 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 not going to sit around and doing nothing, even though the book is sent to print and being you know put into this hellscape of uh, international shipping. We'll still uh, have stuff to do to complete the uh, the items in the Kickstarter. Sure. So yeah. Okay. Awesome. Sometime in the summer. It was fun chatting with you guys, and once again, congratulations on the big uh, first day for Kickstarter, and hopefully that continues down the line. At this point, there's probably, by the time this podcast episode is released, there's probably going to be still around two weeks or so left on the Kickstarter. For everyone, I will be putting a link to the Kickstarter in the description below. But, of course, if you just go to Mark Borg's website or even on Twitter, there's a really uh, – there's a Cyborg, Mark Borg Twitter page. Of course, there's a link right there. But it'll be in the podcast description below. I highly recommend, of course, checking it out. Morkborg's an incredible game, and this looks like it's going to do that and then some extra really cool things. Uh, thank you guys for talking. Thank, thank you. you for having us there. Yeah. And for everyone, thanks for listening. And the Beer and Pretzel podcast episodes come out every Tuesday and Friday. Uh, reviews and interviews with game creators come out Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. And our actual play episodes come out on Fridays. Soonish, we're going to be playing Morkborg on our actual play section of this podcast. And of course, next year, probably middle of next year, we'll be playing Cyborg eventually, which I'm very excited for. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll hear from you next time on the Beer and Pretzel podcast. <laughs>